struts like John Wayne, resembles Jim Carrey, and dresses like he's visually impaired. Because he is. Insight. Insight. With Mark Farrell on the Progressive Radio Network. 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 What an absolutely gorgeous day in a tri-state area today. Hello, my friends. It's Mark. Hope you're doing well. Thursday. Ah, doesn't it feel good? Yeah, one more day. It's been an odd week. You know what? I think it's been an odd, yeah, week and a half because we have had so much rain that I feel like the Mayflowers have not had a chance to come because the April showers, even though it's May 6th, have not ceased. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. But you know what? The smell. Don't you love the smell of spring? Ah, it just, you know, it just smells like when you walk into a florist, but you're walking outside, and I just love that, right? You got to embrace that, especially nowadays. I mean, yeah, the world is opening. It's getting more right side up, and do we have a show for you? We're going to be talking about all the great things, how we're semi-returning to normal, how there are concerts being announced, festivals. Uh, We'll talk about lumber, gas prices, and you're going to meet Reinhard Mabry. Reinhard is the president and CEO of Alpha Point. This is just one awesome company. They manufacture a wide variety of incredible products in uh, multiple facilities for government and commercial customers. And we're really, really excited about that. More importantly, they empower people with vision loss to achieve their goals and aspirations. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, obviously, you know, that's what I'm about. I am in the improving lives business. That's what I tell people. I like to share my struggles, share my successes. And there's so many people out there and so many organizations that are like-minded. And certainly we're going to be shining the spotlight today on Alpha Point in just a few minutes. So I'm really stoked that um, things are beginning to look a little bit more normal. Yeah. In New York City, by uh, Memorial Day weekend, everything should be close to like 100%. Outdoor dining, 100% capacity. Indoor dining, 100% capacity. And I'm really excited about this. Not that I'm actually really going to be able to partake in it, but to go into a bar and sit at the bar and feel the grain of the wood and say my favorite couple of words. Hey, bartender. (laughs) Well, they used to be certainly two of my favorite words, but not so much in the last couple of years, decade or so, since I got a wife, a mortgage, and a bunch of kids. Yeah, so now it's uh, something I dream about. Anyway, it's it's a great thing. I'm really happy to see that, um, especially during springtime. I mean, spring is so symbolic of a new beginning, right? And, um, and I think even last year when the onset of real, the thick, of the COVID aspect was descending upon us. I felt that even though as terrible as things were, things were okay because spring was there. Spring was in the air. And spring is always, I don't know, just so emblematic of change, newness, opportunity. Yeah. So I really, really love the fact that, hey, I I wish it didn't last a year. But the fact that we're embarking in spring or halfway through spring, you know, ramping up the summer. It's just kind of awesome. The kids are going to be out of school and they're going to have opportunity, much more opportunity than they had last year. And that's just fantastic. Yes, we are still not in the PRN facility in New York City and Manhattan and Midtown, but that hopefully will change very, very shortly. Yeah, so are you into music, into live music? Even if you're not, I bet you, you miss it because... When you can't have something, typically as humans, we crave it even more. Anyway, really, really stoked that some bands have announced tours. And it's really kind of fitting. Besides Luke Bryant, this band announced their first major tour. Um, It's kind of iconic on many different levels. Number one, the makeup of the band is just incredible. And number two, the name of the band. Kind of representing (laughs) a new start. Yes, Genesis announced a tour that's starting in the fall. Actually, in New York City, they're coming to MSG. Really stoked about that. So Genesis, yes, the last Domino Falls tour. Really stoked about that. Do you like Phil Collins? Yeah, well, he is not the Phil Collins of of yesterday. 
He is the Phil Collins of 2021. Um, I, I, I give the guy a lot of credit. He does not play the drums as of in the last couple of years. Too many injuries. Vocally, he's still kind of strong. I'm being a little bit generous here. And he performs sitting down on a stool. But besides that, besides that, it's a great performance. <laughs> you got to kind of temper your expectations. Actually, you know what? I just remembered. I bought a set of tickets, a pair of tickets, actually three tickets, and they were ridiculously expensive. But the reason why I paid a lot of money for it because my son is 11 years old and he's a budding drummer and he's got serious chops. As a matter of fact, where he performs at a uh, drum facility, music facility, they want to pair him with like 18 and 20 year olds because he's that advanced. Anyway, so I figured me and my wife said, yes, let's take him to see Phil Collins because he's up there in the drumming pantheon, so to speak. And um, I bought the tickets and I went, mm. yeah, it was, it was a lot of money. And then... More things are circulating online about uh, Phil's kind of his performance. And then I was watching it and then I saw some of his vocals. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to release these tickets. Sorry to say. So I never told my son. This is a bad parent move, by the way. Never told my son I bought the tickets. So I never had to tell him that I released the tickets. But anyway, but I'm psyched to see Genesis. Genesis together will be just an incredible, incredible show. Lumber prices. Oh, my Lord. So, you know, I love carpentry. I'm always doing things around my house. As a matter of fact, my mother-in-law just bought a new house, and I'm kind of rehabbing that. Yes, the visually impaired guy has all his digits intact and loves carpentry. How do I do it? A lot of magnification, my friends, and a lot of patience. Anyway, the work comes out really good. But lumber prices are ridiculous. It's not even the fact that there's a scarcity of lumber. There's a scarcity of lumber mills and drivers. Yeah, so here's the deal. About, uh, you know, right before COVID hit, um, things are starting to slow down in the building industry. So what happened was some mills were so slow, they shut down completely. And so with many, uh, fewer or less, I should say, mills, there is less wood to be produced and available. And then once it is available, there are less drivers around because there was so much, obviously, COVID, I should say, had restricted so much of industry that drivers just obviously lost their gigs and their licenses expired, et cetera. So a lot of the schools that train, I think they're called CDL drivers, closed as well. So this is going to impact lumber prices. It has impacted drastically. I mean, to buy a two-by-four, it's three times as much. A two-by-four. So I'm being really crafty and creative with the um, wood that I'm using. I actually have, thankfully, I, I hate throwing I'm not a, like a stickler for, I am a stickler for waste. But there's certain things I always pass on, like I give away and share and donate to Habitat for Humanity, et cetera. But wood, I always hold on to. Unless there's a piece of wood that I really think there's nothing possible, no possible use for it whatsoever. But otherwise, I stockpile it because I always have a project. I'm like, oh, I know what pile I can go to. Anyway, so I'm glad I did that. But gas prices are exorbitant, aren't they? Wow. You need to take out a second mortgage. Make that a third mortgage to fill up your tank, especially if you're driving an SUV. $50, 60 $70. And we're not talking about Super or Plus, my friends. We're talking about regular old Petro. Standard gasoline. Oh, man. Anyway, hey, it's Mark. Thanks for hanging with me on a Thursday. Greatly appreciate it. Did a very interesting talk the other day for high school students based out in California, in Venice, California. There's an organization called POPs, and they have family members that are incarcerated. And this organization actually had Amy Friedman on the founder of Pops, probably about five or six months ago. And so you can check out this whole interview in my archive section on Insight page on PRN.FM. It's a really, really stellar interview. Uh, she's incredible. She and her husband and this organization that they founded and the youth that they are benefiting is just incredible. So in short, um, teachers decided that, you know what? including Amy and her husband, 
that there are a fair amount of students with family members that are jailed, incarcerated. So let's get them together because they have, obviously, a huge aspect of life in common. And let's get them to talk about their shame, their pride, their hopes, their fears, their commonality, right? So I had this talk with them, and unfortunately, I only had 30 minutes to share and impart some insight. And I really enjoyed speaking to them because, well, number one, I had to take a pause here for a second because it was virtual. Um, I couldn't see any of their faces, and that's fine, and I respect that because that's the way it should be for high school students and all students. But it's still kind of speaking like into a dark void. You don't know your audience. You're like, is anybody out there? I don't think so. I'm just looking into an abyss, but that's okay. I'll act the part. <laughs> that's what I do. But anyway, it's just great. Um, and I, and I kind of wanted to impart with them that, yes, you share the same DNA as your family members, but that doesn't mean you're going to make the same poor choices. And I actually started out my talk by sharing in a story, a story I've never shared actually about when I was, oh, I don't know how old I was, maybe seventh or eighth grade. There was a lot of bike thefts happening where I lived as a kid and I didn't have a bike lock. I lived on my bike. I semi still live on my bike, but I was concerned about my bike being stolen. So instead of asking my mother or father who were divorced at the time, who had not a lot of means, but certainly enough, you know, to give me $10 to go buy a lock. I didn't ask them. I guess I thought I was being cool and maybe rebel-like, but obviously an asinine move. I went to a store. It was kind of like the Walmart of the time. What was it called? Bradley's? I think it was called Bradley, something like that. James Way, that's what it was called, James Way. And no, I didn't steal the product. I did something as equally as bad and lawfully unacceptable. I switched the prices on the lock of the bicycle. No, not for a more expensive item, <laughs> of course, for a cheaper item. And of course, when I strolled outside thinking like, hey, maybe I got away with this, someone said, excuse me, son, come with me. Yeah, and it's a kind of a long story. But anyway, I got away with it. I did and I did not because my sister at the time who was uh, home answered the phone and she acted as my mother who was also dressed in a waitress outfit. So when she came, I guess she cajoled, cajoled the guy, the security uh, person into just saying, you know, Mark would never do this. This is not like his nature, et cetera, et cetera, which was not. And I learned a valuable lesson. So my point was I shared this with the students. To say and to admit that everyone makes mistakes. A lot of us break the law. A lot of us do. And most of us don't get caught. Or if we do, it's petty. I'm not talking about a speeding ticket. I'm talking about something more substantial. Like what I did. Or even more so. A lot of people do it. A lot of upstanding citizens do it. But the difference is they haven't or didn't or won't get caught. So don't get hung up on, yes, of course, I don't know the degree of the crimes that were committed, and I don't need to know, but I wanted them to know that, you know, everyone makes mistakes. We learn from them. Don't dwell on them, but learn from them. And more importantly, don't repeat them. I never did anything like that again. I never stole anything of that nature. I did steal after that in life. Yeah, I did. I remember um, years after that, I think it was years after that. I could be wrong on the timing. I apologize. I was working for the Asbury Park Press, a local magazine, not magazine, newspaper. That's like the county, the county newspaper. Still is, actually. Very thin, of course, like all newspapers nowadays. But anyway, I was delivering them. And... Um, we had to put Starburst in the newspapers, and I guess Starburst was doing a promotion, or they were new at the time. I don't remember. Obviously, it was a long time ago. And um, what I did was I went back to some of the homes and or maybe it was my rival. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I don't think it was the paper I was delivering. It was the rival, the news transcript. Anyway, I went up to people's porches and kind of dumped out the starburst on a few homes and like took the candy. Me and my buddy thought it was so funny. And I came home and my mother found out and I went back to each and every house. And I even had to buy a few packs of starburst 
to replenish and replace the packs that I took. And that was an invaluable lesson. I just applaud my mom for just rattling my cage and saying, what you did was stealing. I'm like, well, it was just free. And it was just on their paper, in their newspaper sleeve. And it didn't really matter. They didn't even know. She said, no, it's ethically and morally wrong. And she was right. And so I was great. It was great to have parents like that. And obviously, my mom is still alive. Not obviously. My mom is still alive. 95 years old. Go, Maggie. And she is just, uh, you know, just an intrepid spirit. But, you know, resilience and uh, what you want more of in life, you have to invest in. And I think I, I couldn't articulate something like that when I was younger. But I just knew from a very young age, right from wrong, because my father and my mother instill that in me. And I think that is such a paramount, paramount thing for all of us in life to understand and to more importantly instill. Um, and, and it's not always so much preaching. Um, like the other night I gave a talk to um, a couple hundred high school kids and parents about becoming more resilient. And one of the questions was at the end, how do you teach resiliency? And I said through confidence, you have to instill confidence. And how do you do that? And it's a, it's a longer talk. But the reality is I lead by example. And I come home, my kids would say, hey, Dad, how was your day? And I'll tell them it was a great day. It was a not-so-great day. And tell them why. The mistakes I made and what I learned from them and how I may have corrected the mistakes. So it's not always me saying to them, you should have, you will do, etc." I put the blame and use myself as an example. Put the spotlight right on me. So it really helps them. And I mean, these two kids are really, really confident, not overly confident, but just the right amount of confident and, and outspoken, maybe not outspoken, but they know to speak up for themselves. And that is phenomenal. Even a little example, like the other day, there was a substitute driver on my kid's bus and they were dropping him off on the wrong side of the highway. It's down a road from us, and it's a double-lane road. And I said to the Board of Education, there's no way my kid is being dropped off on a double yellow road on the wrong side. You have to make adjustments for that. And they said, yes, we totally understand. But when there's a substitute, I totally understand. They don't understand the route, and they get confused. And so I said to my son the other day, hey, if you have a sub, make sure— if he's passing the house on the wrong side of the road, you say to him, hey, excuse me, Mr. Bus Driver, can you please drop me off at place X? And sure enough, the other day, I knew it was a substitute bus driver because of the uh, manner in which they approached the drop-off point from a different direction. And sure enough, my son got off. I said, was that a substitute? And he said, yes. I said, did you tell him something? He goes, yeah. I said, what did you tell him? And he said, Mr. S- Mr. Bus Driver, please, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that takes a lot of guts and courage, and I applaud you for that because there's 30, 40 kids on the bus, and he spoke up. That's not an easy thing to do, even for adults sometimes. So anyway, going back to my point, um, I said to parents that instilling confidence, you have to make your kids self-aware, self-confident. A lot of that comes to you know, self-love. And, and taking stock, and that's one of the things I want to talk about after we meet Reiner Mabry. Uh, again, you're gonna you're gonna love this organization, Alpha Point, A L P H A P O I N T E. They have multiple locations. They make office products. Yeah. By the way, if you need any office products, medical products, any sewing done, you know, I love my wife, but she's not a good sewer. So sometimes I take my stuff to the local cleaners. And she does an amazing job. But anyway, <laughs> hey, sewing is an art. And being visually impaired, I wouldn't even think of approaching a needle and thread. Not going to happen in my lifetime. So if you need any sewing done, any janitorial done for your office, oh, I can use the janitorial work at my house. So maybe I, I need to get some employees from Alpha Point and get up a contract set up and have them come over to the Farrell household. Anyway, enjoy this conversation with Reiner Mabry, the president and CEO of Alpha Point, and in particular, a vital woman who's responsible for the concept of Alpha Point. Okay, not to put you too much under the gun here, but I need about 10,000 face masks and let's say uh, 10,000 spray bottles by the end of next week and... Uh, Throwing a pepperoni pizza. Reinhardt, can you do that? Can Alpha Point muster that up? 
Well, Mark, thank you for the, for the request. And yes, uh, you, you send the order, we will fill it. Um, <laughs> uh, that's the one fun part about uh, our organization is we have uh, tremendous employees throughout the uh, company that are there to try to support uh, our government and commercial customers. Um, and they, they go through, uh, they're willing to put it all out there in order to be able to deliver for our customers. And you certainly have. You produced 10,000 face masks for the United States Air Force. Government agencies needed a, a massive influx of plastic spray bottles. Of course, that's what I was joking about for sanitary use. An Alpha Point delivered, and it increased your production by 800%. Yep. That must be historic. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was not something that, uh, you, you really plan for, you just, uh, have to react to mm. and, and, you know, we added equipment, of course, and we, uh, we added shifts and our people were willing to work, uh, weekends and, and the like. In fact, in our plastics department, we, we have run, uh, overtime continuously since August. Wow. Uh, that's going through working, uh, holidays and, working, you know, not, not taking vacations the way that we normally would. And our, our people just coming in and just taking care of the customer, because let's face it, in the middle of this pandemic, uh, our employees were considered essential workers and were challenged by the government to maintain their normal work schedule. And then orders placed on top of that, that just uh, really placed a, a huge burden on the organization. And, and our employees came through and when you consider the fact that um, the majority of our workforce are people who are blind, mm -hmm. um, they came to work, they traversed uh, uh, public transportation and um, had to uh, recognize that, uh, that they're living through this pandemic just like everyone else and they have health issues and, and the like, just like everyone else. Truly resilient. And, and they were willing to do it and yeah. they were happy yeah. to do it. And they wore the badge of considered essential um, very proudly, and I'm, I'm very proud of our workforce. Reinhard Mabry, did it underscore Alpha Point's mission, purpose, and everything it's done and will do when you were deemed essential by the government? I mean, that is just phenomenal in every aspect. You know, Mark, think about the fact that uh, we have an unemployment rate uh, nationally for people who are blind in good times that That's is right. 70%. And uh, there's been some studies done that, that as many as 40% of people with disabilities lost their jobs in this pandemic. Huge number. It's a, it's a horrible uh, reality. And so mm -hmm. that percentage actually ticked up. So for, for that population, who for many of them probably have never been considered essential or, or critical by, uh, by an employer, or, you know, oftentimes this population is maligned and and, and uh, just considered to, to be uh, kind of just passed In, over. Insignificant. And, um, and it's just not uh, something that we, we wanna see happen in society is for any, any group of people to be, uh, to be cast aside or to be discounted. And so to be considered essential was really a tremendous honor and something that we all uh, took very seriously. And, um, and our, our folks stepped up and did a wonderful job. We're so proud of them. You know, I, I would not be happy to be a competitor of Alpha Point. I mean, you are such a juggernaut in the industry. I mean, employer of over 400 people in nine locations in four states, and uh, basically an advocate, you're a manufacturer, and the company seems to be all heart. Well, thank you for saying that. And I, and I do think so. And, 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 and it really starts with our employees. Um, we have 400 employees, over 230 people are blind, are employed at Alpha Point. Every one of them has a story. Every one of them has a, has a, um, a story about themselves, mm, sure. about overcoming adversity. Um, and, and that really is the heart of the organization. It's not necessarily what we make or uh, how we how we make it, although we're very proud of what we make and we're very proud of how we do it, but it really is the people first and foremost. You know, your main operation, your HQ is in Kansas City, and I just read the other day, I believe that Missouri governor is coming to a visit, so that must be uh, obviously uh, a prominent and a proud moment in your month, 
And of course, right down the road in Queens, New York is going to be my favorite location because obviously uh, the Progressive Radio Network is based in New York City. And we'll talk about that expansion. But those are those are major, major footholds in the United States, of course. Yes. So frankly, getting recognition from a governor in, in uh, the state of Missouri, uh, Governor Parson is coming to visit with us uh, here tomorrow. Um, we, we had the lieutenant governor of the state of New York come and visit with us. Uh, about a year ago, and very, very fortunate to have uh, have her uh, visit, and and we've really gotten a lot of attention and support for our enterprise and our mission, and that really is probably the most the most important thing because um, our the people that we employ um, need more attention and more recognition for what they do, what their capabilities are. Um, so that we can get more people who are blind employed in this economy. Absolutely. And to think about this, I mean, this is all attributed to one woman in Kansas City living room over a hundred years ago. <laughs> Remarkable. Yeah, it's, it's really something when you think about the history of Alpha mm. Point and, and our field, you know, you, you have people who are blind who came together in Kansas City and said, we want to change the trajectory of of the city and how it treats uh, people who are blind. I love and it. At that time, mm-hmm. uh, the issues were the same issues that they are today, housing, transportation, and employment. And so at that time, obviously, we're talking about horse, car- horse and buggies, you're talking about few cars, and you're talking about roads that may not have all been paved, and, and it, it was a, probably a more difficult uh, way to traverse the, the community. Uh, but, but the issues remain the same today. Uh, we're talking today in New York about uh, about assistive um, uh, traffic so- signals um, and the importance of that, so that people who are blind are able to navigate the community and and see the entire community be accessible. So the issues that were raised a hundred years ago that justified the founding of this organization are true today, and we continue to work uh, with government and with the community and the private sector. Uh, to create a better world for people who are blind and one that's more inviting. And I always tell people I'm in the improving lives business because obviously what I do, what you do, what Alpha Point does is create opportunities. And if you think about what happened 100 years ago, nothing has changed because people still want to be free and resilient and have opportunity. Obviously, opportunities are a little bit more and vast nowadays, but People just want to have opportunity, which is incredible. Just like when you uh, purchase the New York Industries for the Blind, uh, there can have been a lot of people without jobs, but that wasn't the case. Yeah, so that was a really uh, tremendous uh, uh, challenge for the organization. So the New York City Industries for the Blind was uh, struggling, was in a, a, a difficult circumstance, as I think a lot of nonprofit nonprofit organizations uh, back in the uh, in, in around 2013, 12, 13, 14, we're facing uh, the rising rents um, in the community, uh, transportation costs. Just just operating an enterprise in New York City uh, is expensive, and um, and so NYCIB was was struggling with with those challenges and uh, was essentially um, having to. Uh, cut costs in essential programs and services and infrastructure in order to pay for rent. And so what we did was we were willing to take over the enterprise so that we could uh, really save 200 jobs. And we were fortunate to be able to do that. There was only one part-time employee that was displaced. We thereafter hired, uh, I think about 20 or 25 people within less than a year of the uh, of the acquisition mm-hmm. and have continued to grow and thrive. Last year, um, you know, knock on wood, we had uh, our our largest year in terms of of top line revenue and employment um, in in New York City uh, since we had since we had taken it over. Fantastic. And we're very proud of it, and we're very fortunate to be able to do it, and we look forward to uh, great things to come. And talk about the Lavelle Fund, because I believe that was vital to the uh, expansion in Queens 
that permitted uh, about 140,000 square feet <laughs> space there, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, so so that was uh, one of our early, uh, dis- I guess, discoveries was that uh, was that rent was just simply going to outpace the financial uh, picture for the organization, and and we needed to do something different. And so uh, we we went to the community and asked for help, and we were fortunate to have help from the Lavelle Fund, from the New York Community Trust, and from others, and through their support and through other efforts, we were able to buy a property in Richmond Hill. And uh, that property needed to go through some substantial renovation in order to make it a safe and accessible space for our workforce. And so uh, we we started on that four years ago. Uh, We were in the building within less than a year uh, fully in the building. It's about 140,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we are continuing that renovation today. We uh, are installing a new and modern freight and passenger elevators in the building. We are renovating a portion of the second floor, which will house our rehabilitation, education, and training programs uh, that will be able to provide service to Long Island, to the Bronx, to Queens, um, and to, uh, uh, to other areas beyond, we hope. And the, the reality of it is that as we, uh, as we have gotten support from the community to do it, we've been able to improve the building and make it a better uh, place of employment and a resource for the community. Is there also slated a tech slash computer center for that facility? Absolutely. And the Lavelle Fund was really pivotal in our being able to do that. So we envision a a training center that's going to include all of the compensatory skills that people who are losing Mm -hmm. their eyesight uh, need. And that includes adaptive technology and a computer training center uh, for people who are blind to be able to get the skills uh, that they need um, and learn the latest and greatest uh, adaptive technology solutions so that sure. they are able to get employment. Yeah, I mean, assistive technology is so gargantuan in this field. For myself as well, being visually impaired, even just a pocket magnifier, how much of assistive technology and or adaptive devices are required for a lot of the employees that you obviously employ to enable them to do their jobs for Alpha Point? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and, you know, every single person that works for us um, has their own story and their own, uh, sure. their own challenges. And so we have, you know, about, about 15% of our workforce, I'd say they're about, have no uh, visual, uh, no, no visual acuity at all, no, no light perception. Um, the, the balance of, of that workforce have varying degrees of vision loss. And so we employ a variety of different tools and techniques. It might be something as simple as a guide or a a jig on a piece of equipment um, to something more uh, substantial. For example, we employed uh, Blind Square throughout the building. Uh, It's a a complex, 140,000 square feet, one, two, three-story portions of the building. Uh, it's, It's a network of 19 buildings that were added on to over the years. And yeah, so a labyrinth. We, we, absolutely. And so we installed these uh, devices throughout the building that connect to the person's cell phone. And they know as a result of that, of the use of that uh, phone, where they are in the building and what's in their immediate surroundings. So until they get comfortable with the uh, with navigating the space, they can use that tool and device uh, for their benefit. And that is just one of a whole host of different tools and solutions that we use. Yeah, well, that's a, accessible and, and the accessible and the jobs accessible. What a dynamic example of freedom and accessibility, because prior to that, I imagine it was just having uh, a guide, obviously touring and acclimating every employee, which, which is, I'm sure, more than fine for you, but obviously it's very time consuming. Absolutely. And of course, Mark, you think about uh, the, the solutions that were used in years past. Um, you know, NYCIB had, was still using the uh, the ropes that hung down from the ceiling that people would would use as a as a guide and so you know clearly we needed to to make some changes uh, for, for orientation and mobility and for independence and and so that was a a really important 
part of, of our enterprise was to bring that solution and that technology uh, to, to bear on that workforce. And, um, and, and there are so many other solutions and, and obviously technology evolves and changes and we have to stay current with it. And we try to do that uh, uh, to the best of our ability and, and through partnerships with, uh, with the business community, we're, we're able to do that. You are a manufacturer of so many different products. Is it hard to determine uh, what product to manufacture and for what client? Is, there, is it just a no-brainer? No, it's not a no-brainer. It, it, it definitely uh, requires us to be uh, uh, experts in a variety of different enterprises. You think about the scope of who we are. Uh, we have everything from making brooms and mops and brushes, which you know, not exactly high technology types of devices, although there's- But there's staples. Absolutely. Um, but then we, we also own our own intellectual property and developed uh, tourniquets and uh, new splints that are used on the battlefield and used by soldiers every day uh, to, uh, for, for, you know, obviously to uh, uh, get themselves uh, back um, on off the battlefield safely. Um, and then we make a variety of products that are very military unique products. We make, for example, something called a piddle pack, uh, which essentially is if, you, if you're in the cockpit of a, of a fighter jet, you don't have a bathroom. And so you have to use uh, something else. It's kind of um, like being in radio when you can't leave the studio. I'm going to take one of those, Reinhard. <laughs> Ship so, five my way, will you? That's right. Along yeah. with that pepperoni pizza. <laughs> But, uh, but so, so we do that. And then of course we were an injection molder and we, we are uh, making bottles, prescription bottles that are used by uh, our veterans and retirees and active duty military and their families uh, for prescription medicines every day. And so it's, it's a, it does require us to be uh, skilled in a variety of different enterprises. Reinhard Mabry is my guest. He's the president and CEO of Alpha Point. Alpha Point is a 501c3 nonprofit organization serving people who are blind and visually impaired since 1911. Okay, we cover the services. Well, actually, we didn't even cover the services because there's so much more to it. I mean, the products and services. Let's talk about the programs like the youth services, summer adventure, tech camp, student transitional employment. I mean, it's just all-encompassing, which is, again, a juggernaut in the field because it's not just one aspect you're concentrating on. Well, Mark, I appreciate you asking about that because uh, really that's one of the, the things that I'm, I'm very, very proud of is yeah. obviously our rehabilitation programs that we, we provide to, to people who are uh, losing their vision or are in some sort of a, a, of a change of, of their life circumstance. Um, we operate a low vision clinic. Uh, we have a, a, an optometrist that uh, is on, uh, under contract with us that provides uh, low vision exams and provides a, a plan for care for people who are experiencing vision loss. Is that the one uh, at Kansas City? Uh, sorry for the interruption. Yes, sir. Um, and then we, we also provide a, a variety of rehabilitation training services that we do in, in partnership with uh, state VR agencies in the state of, of New York, in Missouri, Kansas, Arkansas, and other states in order to help a person not only uh, regain lost independence, but hopefully find uh, their next job or maintain their job. If they are, are working, but are experiencing vision loss, we, we want them to maintain their job if mm -hmm. they can. And then, uh, you know, frankly, we, we learned a, a number of years ago that people were coming to our organization, seeking training, seeking uh, job career placement, um, but the school system had somehow uh, let them down. And we found that we needed to step in a little earlier. And so we began uh, a whole uh, family of youth-oriented programming that includes summer camps. Two summer camps were the, the starting point of it. One was a, an adventure camp, which gave young people who are blind an opportunity to do things that many of them had never experienced before. Outstanding, sure. Uh, and, and you know everything from uh, swimming to archery to climbing, zip lining and the like, really to build confidence and also to build socialization skills. And then the second was an adaptive to give young people the latest and greatest technology solutions, uh, demonstrate how that can be useful to them 
um, in the classroom as well as for fun. And then uh, at the end of the week, when they, after a week of an intensive uh, programming, if they, if they really uh, had done all the things that we asked of them and, and uh, performed well, they were able to take a, an adaptive device home with them. Um, and it was theirs. Uh, those two uh, formed the nexus of what became a youth program that is year round, serves more than 500 kids a year, um, provides um, early uh, training programs, first, a first job uh, opportunity, a, um, a, a program that, that helps young people when they want to go to college, uh, helps them with their first semester of college so that they navigate the campus, mm -hmm. uh, learn how to use all of the online uh, classes and coursework um, where they're able to get their, their, their uh, classroom schedule and the like. All of those things are, are part of a, of a youth program that we provide, which includes uh, those camps, work in the school system itself, and helping the, the young person navigate uh, and matriculate uh, uh, to adulthood. Well, one word keeps ringing true in my ear. It's called autonomy because everything that we've been discussing, whether it's employment, whether it's giving kids you know, vital opportunities that they've never heard of, because frankly, when I was a kid, I had never heard of any of these uh, programs that existed. And that was a couple of years ago, but you know, your slogan is vision for life, Alpha Point's vision for life. But when I think of their new slogan, it's gonna be autonomous because it's, it's about giving people opportunity. And I, I keep circling around those words because whether it's employment, whether it's opportunity, whether it's uh, assistive technology, employment services, or just having a job, being valuable, feeling like you actually belong and contribute to society is priceless. You know, Mark, uh, you, you said it really very well. I don't know that I could add anything, but, uh, but you know, everyone has value. Mm -hmm. um, and we as a society need to embrace every person. Wholeheartedly. Discount people. And, uh, and so um, hopefully Alpha Point is a, uh, a demonstration of the value of this population um, and that more employers will embrace uh, this population and get people who currently are on the sidelines who want to be in the game, give them an opportunity to be, to be in the game. And if we can demonstrate how that can be done uh, very, very simply, um, then we're, we're going to have more people who are blind uh, in the economy, working, thriving, and mm -hmm being able to enjoy uh, the, the opportunities that, that uh, are available in our country. And a lot more testimonials like this, I'm sure, coming down a pike. Quote, I'm cooking up a storm again. It's because of all the tools they gave me. I can play cards with my friends. I'm back to having fun again and laughing with the group end quote. I mean, that's just, you know, personifies uh, one person's experience, but opening doors. Yeah, and, and I, I could give you so many examples like that, and, and I'm, I'm so proud of them. Our trained professionals and, and trainers, um, really, it's, a, it's, it's very much a, a life mission for them, um, and they get a lot of joy from it. And I, I tell people all the time, this is the one job that uh, I have a smile on my face coming to work, and I have a smile on my face going home if, I'm, if I know that we've created a job, saved a job, <laughs> and given a person an opportunity to... Uh, to succeed and, and achieve their goals and aspirations. Sure, sure. And who would have thunk, right? In 1994, when you got your first job in Florida, that you would be leading such a pivotal organization. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey and one that uh, I've been very proud of and, and very much uh, enjoy. It, it started as a job and it became a career and a passion. And, and I really appreciate the opportunity that it's afforded me. I've met so many wonderful people uh, like yourself who really are an inspiration and so uh um i'm, I'm i feel a great deal of, of joy and and uh and uh, satisfaction in the career that i've had reinhard what was it exactly that resonated with you in this field you know uh, there was somebody that that said to me early on that uh if you if you're in it for very long uh it'll get in your blood and you'll never want to leave it and it True. really is the people um you know um a lot of people go to work and they're they're there to you know make a living, provide for themselves, provide for their families. Um, but I can tell you that uh, there's enormous satisfaction 
And I'll just say it, it, when you know that you're helping someone else achieve their goals and you get a smile on somebody else's face, it, it feeds the soul. And, um, and yes, I think people that are in this field, that, that's, what, uh, that's what they experience. And it's certainly what, what I've experienced throughout my career. Uh, full disclosure, as a board member, I'm very interested in seeing a Queens location prosper because obviously that's in our backyard of the Progressive Radio Network right here in New York City. Um, is there anything people can do? I mean, obviously volunteers are always welcome. Donations, of course, are always welcome. But, you know, it, it takes a village in any effort. And this is no different. So what can New Yorkers, what can Queens people do to huddle around Alpha Point and to get the word out and to make it prosper? Well, thank you for asking, Mark. Uh, you know, people can go to our website, alphapoint.org. Uh, we very much need your financial support to help us continue to improve the, uh, the facility, but also be able to deliver services to people who are blind throughout the community. Um, that's the number one thing you can do. As the, as the pandemic uh, recedes and finally ends, and we are all going to witness that day very soon, uh, then we're going to need volunteers. And, and there is a way for you to online register to be a volunteer, uh, to serve, um, so that we can, we can help more people who are blind in the community and really serve the, the region. And that's, um, those are the two easy ways uh, to support us. You can go on our Facebook and our, uh, our Twitter feed and, uh, and like us and follow us and see the great things that we are doing and hopefully get involved with us. We'd love to have you. And Ryder and Mabry, obviously this is the business that you're in, changing people's lives, creating opportunity, and also, by the way, products that are invaluable. Uh, what would you say to a business owner, someone who works for a uh, Fortune 500, whatever that means nowadays, uh, to inspire them to hire persons with disabilities. And of course, you know, disabilities run the gamut. It doesn't have to be complete blindness or visual impairment. It could be multiple disabilities. What would you say to encourage them to say, you know what, this is more than just doing the right thing? You know, I'd say that uh, there's been a, a great deal of discussion in society in the recent, in recent months about diversity and the need for inclusion. And we oftentimes uh, talk about race and or gender as the major areas of attention. Mm -hmm. But in truth, we have a significant portion of our country that are people who are being um, discounted and they're people with disabilities. And these are folks that have tremendous skill and talent. Uh, they may have had all kinds of experience before they, uh, before they experienced a disability. Frankly, any one of us can become a member of uh, the disability community uh, simply going home, uh, driving their car, or having an illness. Um, Absolutely. So I would tell the business community that uh, this is a population that they want to embrace and they want to have be involved on their boards, in their uh, C-suite, and throughout the organization. It is proven that um, that the, that the um, uh, consumers in this nation uh, look fondly on businesses that demonstrate that they are inclusive and that includes inclusive of, of people with disabilities. And so it is for their own uh, benefit and for their bottom line to reach out to this population, employ them and work with them. Well said. And also, if you need a product manufactured, don't forget AlphaPoint. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Now, Mark, oh. you're a better spokesman for us than I am, but uh, you're exactly right. Um, you have businesses throughout the community that, that are uh, outsourcing uh, overseas. Bring that business back here. We'd love to work with you. Are there any tax credits for hiring a company that employs a certain amount of persons with disabilities and or as well as being stateside? You know, there are some uh, tax credits for initially hiring uh, people with disabilities, and there certainly are some that are, um, are, are credits, and there's also resources through uh, state and uh, for uh, providing for adaptive technology. A lot of hiring professionals think that the adaptive solutions are really expensive and, and are going to be uh, over the top for mm, them, cost and that simply isn't true. Um, and if you want to know more about that and want to try to, to, to learn about that, you can contact our offices 
and we'd be more than happy to walk you through um, how to how to do that. We do that every day when we place people who are blind into jobs in the community. And talk about dedication. I've been working in this field uh, 20, 30 years uh, in terms of working with people with disabilities of all walks of life. And they are the most dedicated, prideful, happy individuals over any other staff member. Well, let me go full circle back to the beginning of this uh, conversation. And that is that in the midst of the pandemic, when many people were afraid to, to venture out, Understandably, uh, city streets were were uh, were largely um, tumbleweeds, <laughs> um, and the 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 subway system was was largely vacant. Our employees came to work every day, and fulfilled their obligations to our government customers, and made sure that uh, that quote unquote the trains ran on time. And if there is really no more and better testament to their uh, work ethic than that. But uh, beyond that, I can tell you that uh, I've, I've worked in this field now for 26 years. People with disabilities uh, do a great job. They are hardworking. They are tremendous people. And they would be an asset to any organization. And they certainly are to Alpha Point. Reiner and Mabry, I think the 800% production increase is just a... Uh example of what you've done in the past year and uh, stop slacking. It's got to be a thousand percent by a year from today. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll keep working on it, Mark. And all the best to you with the Queens location. Obviously uh, that is near and dear to our hearts at the Progressive Radio Network being in our backyard. I, I can't wait to see the fruition of the tech and assisted technology center, as well as all the other uh, critical components to the facility that is just huge. And uh, as a matter of fact, the website, alphapoint.org, alphapoint.org. Uh, listeners, check that out because everything that we've spoken about and tenfold more is on there. It's very comprehensive and you'll be like myself and just want to wrap your arms and heart around this organization. Reinhard Mabry, all the best to you and keep up the stellar work. Thank you very much, Mark. Wasn't that a great conversation? Yeah, I'm really digging Alpha Point. They do great work. I mean, the fact that they're giving persons with blindness and visual impairments opportunity to be independent, to earn money in this world, to cut their own teeth is just invaluable. And as a matter of fact, when uh, we finished this interview uh, the other day, we were talking and uh, he mentioned something else about an invaluable Alpha Point employee that's in the spotlight. So Cornell Williams uh, is a tremendous employee in our New York facility, and he is uh, he, he's moved up in the organization as the lead porter, uh, or the manager of the porter uh, uh, porters in the in the department, and um, he's been recognized by um, and featured on Dr. Oz and Fox News and a number of different love it uh, places. But he was recognized by the New York State Preferred Source Program. It was just announced yesterday as the 2021 uh, Employee of the Year. Um, so he is the statewide program Employee of the Year. He's going to uh, be recognized at a, at a luncheon uh, in, a, in a couple of months. And we're just so proud of him and delighted uh, for him. Just terrific stuff. Wow, can't underscore that enough. I want to close out the program about taking stock. You know, with the world reopening, and it feels good, doesn't it? Wow, just even saying that just feels good. You know, we should always, I think, even more importantly, think about, you know, what we have, you know, what maybe we lost. I lost a good buddy of mine a couple of weeks ago, Ignacio Ortega, known as Iggy. <laughs> we had a great time in life together and he died from COVID alone in his apartment. Really sad. And I'm going to be talking about Iggy at another time. But I'm sure you know someone connected, friendships, colleagues that got really sick or possibly even died from COVID. Really awful, scary, tumultuous time. So when I say taking stock, I say take stock of the good things and the bad things, because we have to recognize both, right? We appreciate life even more during times of lack of turmoil. I mean, when we're in a thick of things, right? I spoke about this the other day to an audience. 
Like we would seemingly do anything to get back into our comfort zone. But it's during those times that we learn the most about ourselves. Right? I mean, think about COVID. Think about loss. Think about being scared and fearful. Whatever the case may be, related to COVID or not, there's so many aspects of life that can be intimidating. And I think we learn so much. I don't think I know. I learned so much about myself, you know, um, in those times. And a lot of people, especially in social media, and I hope this isn't true, but they really focus on their imperfections in life. And I, and I assign that to them physically and or their whole being, like the way their life is and I just think that's just a terrible perception to have. I mean, we don't choose our imperfections, but the reality is if you are self-aware, you can turn these imperfections around and make them your strength. I mean, my mantra, you've heard this before as a insight listener, my mantra is my difference makes me stronger. Those five words I strung together after years of not being honest with myself on multiple fronts, And then understanding my real strength, my capability to achieve greatness in my own eyes, whatever that greatness and whatever that greatness is defined for you, whether it's personal, business-related, family, however the case may be. But those five words, my difference makes me stronger. I think people really focus on too much of perfection. I mean, what the heck is perfection anyway? Ask Amy Schumer, what is perfection? I mean, her story of her coming forward with her husband, Chris Frischer, he's a professional chef. I mean, I think that really kind of underscores my point. I mean, Amy Schumer, she's just so brutally honest, and I love that. I embrace that. You know, she has a two-year-old who's most likely going to be diagnosed with autism because they recently came out and said that her husband, Chris Frischer, was diagnosed with autism. So, and she said, this crazy, funny, loving, wildly caring individual, my husband, the best person on the planet for me, has just another aspect that makes him him. And that's what I love. I love when people recognize that this is not a defect. Yes, does anybody choose or want to have a disability in life? No, of course not. Because, you know, life can be more difficult. Would I choose to have a visual impairment? No, but has it made me a kinder, more empathetic, more capable person? Absolutely. Do I wish a disability on anyone else? No. But I have to say, though, there's never been a better time in this world, in this life, to have a disability with technology, assistive technology, medical advances. Yeah, incredible. So uh, Amy and Chris were asked, would they have their child tested? Of course. And uh, I forget exactly what the position was. Would they, you know, be really concerned about uh, their child's health and well-being? And, and Amy, I forget exactly how she said it, but she couched it really, really well. Like, no, it would be like saying, would I love my husband less? No, this is just who they are, and this is just another part of their personality. Can it be harder and more difficult at times to deal with? Absolutely. That doesn't mean if someone doesn't have a disability that they're not going to have a difficult life or aspects of their personality or lifestyle that don't make it more difficult in life overall. So I applaud Amy. Uh, I haven't seen her show, the documentary that's on HBO that um, came out, oh, maybe about a year ago or so. Um, But I'm really looking forward to kind of watching that. Uh, But I love the fact that they took stock and I, you know, appeal to you to do the same. Because think about all the things in life that are favorable for you. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's the one person you know that loves you like you are the salt of the earth and you to them. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It's not how many people you love in life. Even if you have that one love in life, whether it's your offspring or a significant other. All right. So thank you so much for hanging with me and for listening, of course, to PRN. I greatly appreciate your time, as always. And thanks to Reinhard Mabry for his time and for Alpha Point for all the goodness they're doing 
and being a beacon for business overall to hire persons with disabilities. Because, it, again, I mentioned this before in the interview, it's beyond doing the right thing. It's about creating an organization that's viable, creates phenomenal products, and gives people an opportunity to be part of the workforce. Hey, it's fair to say that everybody seeks the need to be wanted in some capacity or another. Anyway, Alpha Point, check them out, alphapoint.org. Gary Knowles next, my friends. Thanks so much for the hang. Special thanks to Jesse Funk and to you. Keep living and laughing. Insight with Mark Farrell. Check out this and all Insight shows on the Insight page at prn.fm. prn.fm. Have Mark speak at your company, your kid's school or college. Mark speaks on critical topics that affect kids and adults everywhere, from anti-bullying, mental health, drugs and alcohol, to overcoming adversity. Visit markfarrellmotivation.com for more info. Insight, Thursday mornings at 11 on the Progressive Radio Network. Network.